You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 417 of this podcast. Today is Monday, June 27th, 2022, and in this episode, I have some unfortunate news, and we need to talk about it, because I have talked about Jordan Hall on occasion. I feel like there's a certain responsibility on several fronts, and I'll explain that to anyone scratching their head, wondering why. I would feel a sense of responsibility with regards to Jordan Hall. We'll get into it. But first, the setup. It's official. Jordan, a.k.a. J.D. Hall, a.k.a. Gideon Knox, has been removed from office at Fellowship Baptist Church in Sydney, Montana. He is now under church discipline and has been separated from his pulpit there and also his platform at protestia.com. Even as I talk about his downfall, I find myself not happy to be proven right. Actually, I'm sad to see that so many continued following and embracing Jordan Hall up to the last, and that so many others who knew better preferred to keep quiet their concerns about him for fear of repercussions and blowback. The trouble with being proven right about Hall is that the thing I said would happen, has happened, and is happening, and will happen even more. Namely, the causes Hall has associated himself with, he did not bring his credibility to, nor did those causes give him credibility in the minds of those who knew better. Rather, Hall tarnished the validity and rightness of good causes he touched. Plenty who knew better kept on allying themselves with him and even called refusals to join in where they had, like I gave a refusal before we moved from Montana to Colorado, juvenile and childish. That's what I was told by refusing to be a part of a movement that he was heading up, was juvenile and childish. And for what? Because Jordan Hall is a fighter, I was told. Well, so is a mad dog. And that's what I told them he was for a long time, but they didn't want to hear it because he was their mad dog as they saw it. And now he's bit them. So you can see how well that's worked out for them. But there is a frustration, I feel, at not just having been ignored, but also the hypocrisy of those who were happy to sick haul on their political opponents inside and outside the church to seize on any loose bit of gossip about them and count on Hall to inflate said gossip through conjecture and hyperbole then pronouncing anathemas and sending them off to hell and ill repute. 
But it's moments like this where there is so much more of a guarded treatment of the scandal about Hall where a very obvious partiality gulls me. It cannot be respected because it is not respectable. Jordan Hall bullied the 15-year-old son of Ergen Kaner to the point of suicide and caused men and women I knew in Sydney, Montana, when we lived there, to literally fear for their lives. On the first point, my oldest son will be 15 next month. I shudder a bit that Hall's time as pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Sydney, Montana, was not concluded a long time ago. His nature has been known for a long time, but some didn't want to believe their eyes and ears about him, and others were simply too afraid to stop him, and some others thought they needed him more than they needed to put a check on his bad behavior. Jordan Hall caused a co-worker of mine who attended his church, even moved his family across the country to attend Hall's church, to call me up on my way home from work one day to ask if I could meet up with him and his wife at their home. And I will never forget the look in their eyes when they asked me to let the FBI know if they suddenly disappeared. I don't know if they were being paranoid or if they had a history of mental illness or substance abuse prior to going to fellowship and encountering Jordan Hall. I don't know. But the church should be a place you go to when the civil authorities are out of control, not the other way around. You should not have to go to the civil authorities to let them know that church authorities, ecclesiastical authorities, are out of control and you fear for your safety. That is backwards. The fact that more than one person I've known who attended Fellowship Baptist Church left on such terms that they sincerely expressed a fear for their physical safety to me disturbs me greatly and no less when I consider that other discernment ministry bloggers, so-called other celebrity pastors, have for years associated themselves with Hall, called him a friend of theirs for years, and given him credibility and cover in small-town Sydney, Montana, by their association with him. Or, inversely, have damaged their own credibility with people who know better in Jordan Hall's sphere. This is what is broken in the church today and in too many pockets of American so-called civilization, American society at least. It's not just rural eastern Montana, but I know being from Glendive, Montana originally, that some of the longest time inhabitants who have been in that part of the country for generations learned a long time ago that there can be a dark and frightening aspect to living a long way from civilization. Namely, when you have someone who is corrupt, menacing, a bully, power-hungry, deranged, and they have a following or they have friends 
and they lack scruples, perhaps, or their scruples are questionable based on things they've done and said, you don't just think about how nice and quiet and peaceful and private the prairie is. You also think about how there's really no one to call to for help if someone decides that they really, really don't like you. You don't have a whole lot of backup options unless you're just really feeling your oats. And even just bureaucratically, if someone makes connections, if they have friends, if they have people who are allies of theirs in local government and you cross them, well, who knows, right? Who knows what might happen as far as little ways that people can get even through their friends. But then proximity to what is called mainstream civilization in the U.S. is no guarantee of safety either. Even Supreme Court justices and their families today know this when radical leftist activists send them menstrual blood in the mail or get arrested outside their homes with zip ties and firearms and knives and tactical vests and the stated intention to kidnap and assassinate them. But see, this is what makes men like Jordan Hall so dangerous. They promise to fight and slay these dragons, but they don't just become dragons themselves in the process. No, that's what their followers are going to want to believe in the wake of Jordan Hall's undoing. Something like the Frederick Nietzsche quote, be careful in fighting monsters lest you become one. No, Jordan Hall didn't become a monster in the process of fighting monsters. He already was a monster. This is what it means when we are warned in the scriptures about wolves in sheep's clothing. False teachers who are described as wolves in the scriptures that sneak into the church do not come dressed like wolves. They come dressed like sheep. And the crowd that follows or else allies itself with men like Hall know this. They remind us of it all the time. But they only remind us of it when they're talking about men who disagree with them. They are as reluctant as mules pulling wagons of molasses to treat the likes of Hall and themselves the way they treat their opponents inside and outside the church. And this makes them hypocrites. And it speaks to a lack of both courage and integrity without which they will never make suitable leaders. They are not the solution because in moments like this, they demonstrate how the cookie crumbles for them. And don't misunderstand me. I like and appreciate fighters, but all sides and positions have fighters. And I do not prefer them all equally. Rather, I prefer fighters who are fighting what is evil and defending what is evil is not going to get an equivalence in my mind just because I like a good fight. If you equally support somebody who is doing evil as one who is fighting evil, but endeavoring to maintain their own personal integrity, to walk humbly before God and man, to do justice and love mercy, but to walk humbly before God. If you don't particularly care, you just want to see a good fight, you might not be the Christian you want to present yourself as. When the qualifications are given for overseers and deacons in the New Testament, we are told explicitly that a qualification is to not be a brawler, to not be contentious, to not always be looking for fights, 
to have a good reputation with outsiders. But what you have in some quarters are men like Hall. You have men like Hall who pride themselves on intentionally, systematically trying to destroy their reputation with outsiders. And thereby, what they do is they destroy the reputation of the good causes which they try to build credibility and fame and authority for themselves by piggybacking on. If they really cared so much about these causes, they wouldn't carry on the way that they do. They wouldn't engage in the antics that they do. They demonstrate by their hubris, by their malice, by their abusiveness, by their egotism, that what they really are in it for is themselves. They just have a different shtick. Now, someone might say, well, Garrett, don't we have bigger fish to fry than Jordan Hall? You know, here's my explanation. Here's my answer to that question. I was born and raised in Glendive, Montana. All of eastern Montana is one great big small town. The population of the state of Montana only hit one million the year that I moved back 10 years ago. I can go five hours into the state and meet somebody and shake hands and they say, oh, what's your last name? Mullet. Oh, yeah. Are you related to so-and-so and such-and-such? Oh, yeah. Not with everybody. I obviously don't know everybody in the state. But my point is, Jordan Hall is not from eastern Montana, but he waltzed in and he talked tough and he gained a certain following for himself. And he reminds me entirely too much of the kind of man that caused my family when I was growing up, when I was about 10 years old, to flee to Southern Ohio. And the good Lord worked it out for the good, as he always does for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But it was an injustice, what was done to my parents, my dad especially. The Mullets have been farmers for generations, for a long, long time, for an unbroken line. As far back as I can tell, the Mullets were farmers. And then a certain corrupt local official decided he liked bullying everybody in Dawson County. And he had the power to do it because he controlled the access to funds. And moreover, for those who had already signed on to government programs for farming, to get loans, to get grants, he provided the oversight to make sure that they were operating within the bounds of the programs that they had signed up for. And do you know what he threatened to anyone who didn't bend the knee and kiss the ring and subject themselves to his bullying. Farmers, ranchers, it didn't matter. He threatened to take their farms, and he did. And he threatened it with my parents as well. Only my parents fought back procedurally. They fought fire with fire, and they made a complaint to the Office of Inspector General. And it is devilishly hard to get government officials employees of the federal government, no less, fired. But by the end, he was the one escorted from the building by law enforcement. The FBI got involved. My mother received a settlement. My dad, at a certain point, decided it just wasn't worth fighting anymore. It broke my father's heart, what was done to my parents. The thing that boils my blood is for the reputation that eastern Montana gets for being this rugged, down-to-earth, good, wholesome, 
Americana cowboy type culture, there sure were a lot of cowards who didn't have the stones to speak up and who were content to let my parents take the brunt of it. Don't make waves. Let it be. Let it ride. Those Westerns you watch where the bandit leader terrorizes the town and the townspeople, as soon as the white hat cowboy stands up to the bandits, the guy that runs the general store, boards up his windows, the guy that owns the saloon is hiding behind the counter, the lady who runs the hotel, she's definitely keeping the doorpost between her and the street. And even if the guy wearing the white hat wins the gunfight, the townspeople are very happy to see him ride along as well the next morning, preferably before sunrise. You might think that's just the movies, but that's people. And I grew up living in a tent in John Bryan State Park for a little while with my mom and my dad and my little brother because my parents couldn't in good conscience let that slide and let people be railroaded like that. They certainly weren't going to allow themselves to be railroaded like that. Someone gets a little taste of power and it goes to their head and they see all this wide expanse and they think it can all be theirs. They think, here's their empire. And the West has for a long time Since pioneers and cowboys and fur trappers and explorers and traders first started going west, the Wild West has attracted the best and the worst sort, and some in between, who just want to be left alone, even if that means looking the other way, when the worst sort set up a little hustle for themselves at the expense of decent folk. So yeah, it's personal. My mom, fun fact, my mom was dead set against my moving back to Montana, even visiting eastern Montana. She was just sure something was going to happen to me if I went back and visited and word got around that Byron's son was in town. Something might happen to me. I moved back in 2012 and I got a job in the oil and gas industry and I did well for myself, for my family. And we made connections in Glendive with people I had no connection to, plenty of whom knew on some level, especially my Uncle Merle and Aunt Connie's side of the family, dad's younger brother, one of his younger brothers. He's the oldest of five boys, second oldest of nine kids. But we made connections. We set down roots, rented a home out on the plateau, north of Glendive, and then we bought a house in Sydney. And when we first moved to Sydney, which is an hour north of Glendive, where I was born, per the request of ConocoPhillips during the oil boom, when oil prices were still high, we attended Jordan Hall's church for a time because I had a supervisor, my first supervisor, actually, at ConocoPhillips, who had been an elder there. And I thought the world of that supervisor who had given me a start and was a man of integrity and decency, genuineness. I knew him. And I also knew that my route partner at ConocoPhillips attended there with his family. And I thought well of him. And I got along really well with him. 
And so we visited. And the very first Sunday we're there, we got asked out to Pizza Hut with Jordan Hall and his wife, Mandy, and the associate pastor and his wife. And we're having conversation and I'm getting, I don't know if you could say interrogated, but asked questions about where we went to college, who I like to read as far as theologians, who I listen to as far as pastors. And one by one, almost everything that I'm telling Jordan, he's trying to pick apart and find fault with. And when it comes really down to it, trying to insult. And I am a thick-skinned person. I do not get offended easily. But when a pattern develops, I am not dense either. The only thing he approved of that I mentioned was when I said that I appreciated Vody Bakum. He proceeded to pull out his phone and show me a selfie he had taken with Vody at the recent Reformation Montana conference. He and Vody holding AR-15s. And I still love and adore and appreciate and respect Vody Bakum. He's been a major encouragement to me. Fault Lines is an excellent book. The two times Vody came and spoke at Cedarville for chapel while Lauren and I were there left a huge impression on me, a really big impression on me. And I cannot thank him enough for his godly example and testimony and courage in those two instances and throughout his ministry. But boy, howdy, was Jordan quick to try and flex on me that he had just gotten this photo op with Vody. So I made a mental note. I thought, well, okay, this guy's kind of weird, but people I respect go here. So we'll go here. And we made friends. We made connections. We started helping out with Awana. And more and more, a pattern of sneering, bitter, caustic ugliness from Jordan came to mark my impression of him when he would preach, when he would be leading a Bible study, which wasn't really, in the one case that we attended, a Bible study. It wasn't really a Bible study. It was just him reading Spurgeon and then proceeding to insult every single church in Glendive, including the one that we had been attending for two years before we moved to Sydney, for everyone to hear conspicuously, again, asserting a kind of dominance over my family and I from the jump, marginalizing us from the jump, his Facebook posts, his social media presence and engagement was gratuitous. I think that's the word for it, gratuitous. Kind of like when you watch a Quentin Tarantino film, there's a difference between realistic war violence, like, let's say, for a different example, Saving Private Ryan. If you watch Saving Private Ryan and it makes your stomach churn, because here are very realistic portrayals of war, violence, injuries, death, dying, well then, there can be a benefit in that because war is hell. But when you watch a Quentin Tarantino film and it is over the top and there's a sensationalism to it, there's a kind of reveling in the violence aspect to it where someone being brutally murdered is supposed to be funny in some sense. And you're supposed to be entertained by that and not just educated, not just sobered about the nature and reality of war. When there's a kind of sinister pleasure, a kind of sadistic enjoyment gotten from making you squirm, that 
is not in keeping with Christian life and thought. That is not a godly testimony, and it certainly should not be the conduct of a minister of God when he is handling theological disputes. That is the equivalent of his handling of theological disputes or political differences. And the irony of all ironies is that I agree with a lot of his political positions, and that is precisely what galls me because there's a part of me that is reminded of Alex Jones and that wonders whether this cat isn't controlled opposition. The enemy plants him in a place that otherwise could be very influential and could be salt and light and a city on a hill. And what he does is he discredits decency and goodness, and he makes a mockery of it for all to see. And then fools follow him and ally themselves with him and give him credibility and also make it harder for people who are more impressionable and naive to break away. Oh, Paul Washer is a friend of his. Oh, John MacArthur is a friend of his. Oh, John Harris has had him on his podcast. Oh, A.D. Robles is a friend of his. Well, maybe this is just how it is. Maybe it's just a trade-off. You have to put up with being abused by somebody like this if you want the greater good to be accomplished. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the equivalent of somebody like a Tetzel. When a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Preying on the insecurities of people, earnest, honest, genuine people sometimes who just want a clear conscience. They just want to do the right thing, but they don't know what the right thing is. And that's where a blind guide with selfish motives comes in and is all too happy to oblige. And here's the thing. I love and respect people who were a part of that church for longer than we were there. I think to some extent we helped to make it easier for other people to break away as well, to find the courage because we were there for several months. And then finally I said, you know what? We're out. No, I can't bring my family here and have them sitting under this because this is abusive. And either A, he and I are going to have words at a certain point here and it's going to be ugly for everyone. And I don't want to do that to the people I actually do respect here. Or B, I will silently knuckle under and then my family will be subjected to this. And it will seem as though I am endorsing it. And I cannot in good conscience, allow for that either. He does not know the difference between a primary issue and a secondary issue. His idea of a primary issue is anything on which he has an opinion or a conviction. And however clear or not, if you disagree in the least, he will trample your pearl underfoot and then turn and tear you to pieces because he's a swine. He's a dog. You do not give to dogs what is holy. And Jordan Hall is proof positive why that is. Now, someone will say they've read some of his recent statements, his non-apology apologies. I regret that I'm so awesome. Sorry, guys. I just can't do it anymore. Please, no. No, I got to step away. I'm just going to be growing my hair out. No, nobody stop me. No, you can't. You can't talk me out of it. No, no, no. Hold me back. No, come on. Hold me back. And it's fake and it's phony. It reminds me of that scene actually from Star Wars. Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, 
where Palpatine is revealed to be this Sith Lord. And Mace Windu goes with several other Jedi to arrest him because he's a Sith Lord and they are Jedi. And they don't get on. He's been pretending to be a good guy, but he's not actually. He's a villain. He's a villain behind the scenes orchestrating these conflicts, maneuvering people into position for his own selfish gain to get power for himself, to get more control over all of the above for himself. But you come to that scene where Palpatine has killed everyone who had come to arrest him except Mace Windu. By the way, Samuel L. Jackson makes a fantastic Jedi Master. Spoiler alert. It's very sad when he gets killed. At least I'm pretty sure he gets killed. Unless he crops up because they had to bring him back or something. I don't know. It certainly seems like he got killed to me. But Anakin walks in. He was told to not come, but he comes anyways. Anakin walks in. He's missed the whole battle. Apparently missed the part where all these other Jedi got killed by Palpatine. But Palpatine has made him a friend and flattered him because Palpatine intends to use him because Anakin is very powerful. And so then Palpatine's playing the victim, pretending he's just this defenseless, weak victim. He's the victim here. No, he's not the victim. He is the villain. Mace Windu is the good guy, and Anakin falls for it. Mace Windu's going to kill Palpatine. The last moment, Anakin cuts his hand off, and Palpatine drops the act. Lightning bolts come out of his fingers. Mace Windu goes flying out the window into the abyss. No more Mace Windu. The point is, people lie. People lie. Again, I like fighters. I just prefer fighters who are fighting what is evil and defending what is good. I don't prefer those who either cannot or refuse to distinguish between what is evil and good because they are secretly ravenous wolves and bullies and vainglorious blowhard bastards. And what boils my blood is not just the people who sycophantically followed Jordan Hall to the last minute. It's not just Jordan Hall himself. No, actually, it's also the people who knew better and have bit their tongues. It is the folks who show partiality. If the villain is one of their guys, is on their side, well, let's just wait for all the facts to come in. Did you wait for all the facts to come in when it was people who were pushing social justice? No, you didn't. And this is where I say you're hurting a cause that I care a lot about because of your lack of discipline, your lack of integrity, your lack of courage. You're hurting causes that I care about that I've been fighting for for a long time. You don't have to take my word for it. Go check out On The Rock's blog. Now, here's the frustrating thing. I was writing about all this before, to my knowledge, Jordan Hall was making a name for himself, making an ass out of himself publicly about these things. For all I know, he got the substance from me and then added his vinegar and acid personality. It's like Clarence jumping into the river to try and save Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, and it's a wonderful life, except in this case, instead of a guardian angel, maybe Jordan Hall was a different kind of angel. He jumped in front and made himself seem like he was the one with all these great pioneering ideas. I don't know. I am speculating on that front. But the point is, you can look up my track record. I've been writing about these things, publishing content 
on social justice and environmentalism, public education. I was homeschooled myself. We homeschool. I wrote a book called, and this is why we homeschool for crying out loud. I am not opposed to Jordan Hall because I disagree with his positions. I'm opposed to Jordan Hall because he is a danger to the success and credibility of good positions because of his antics, because of his ambition. He's angry at God because God hasn't made him famous. He's not getting all the credit he so richly deserves as he sees it. And it seems like to me in recent months from statements I've seen, there's a small part of Jordan that really does wonder here at the last whether he missed the boat, whether he actually has been wrong and needs to repent of his wicked ways. And this is the trouble too. This is the trouble with the American church is you get celebrity pastors like this. And as long as they're promoting the cause and the agenda that we want, they are nigh invincible until one day it all breaks loose. And along the way, so many opportunities, so many exits are blown right by. And these absurd notions that to point out sin in leadership of a church is gossip or disrespect. No, if they are sinning and what they're saying is error, and they respond to you pointing their error and sin out to them by trying to destroy you, well, here's your sign, as Larry the Cable Guy would say. They are not a minister of God. That is not of Christ. What's more, there's something really broken about the way that we organize our networks of churches, our denominations, our larger Christian church. When somebody like Jordan can pick and choose who he wants to associate with himself based on whether they're going to provide any accountability whatsoever. He messaged me after I wrote the first of two articles for On The Rock's blog years ago in which I took to task his manner of relating and my concern. I stated this very much up front and early. My concern was that he would discredit good and proper causes by associating himself with them. And also that people who lack discernment, I guess that's why they need a discernment ministry blogger, but people who lack discernment would think that he was a hero just because he was saying things that they agreed with and should agree with. All the while ignoring the fact that he's saying and doing a lot of things that you really can't agree with if you are studying the word. But he reached out to me and he wanted to know where I went to church, who my elders were. He was going to Matthew 18 me unless I retracted a statement I had made that he surrounds himself with sycophants and only listens to dead men who've been dead for a long time, men like Spurgeon, and celebrity pastors who are far, far away and cannot see his day-to-day way of relating to people in his church, in his community. So essentially, he has set up for himself a way for him to be totally unaccountable to anyone. Until now, when his church has finally decided that's enough. And I don't know actually what it is that finally was the last straw. All I know is that The church disciplined him, and he's out, and he's gone. It has to be bad if even Protestia Protestia is saying he's no longer affiliated with us. Wow, really? You know, I feel like if you were to do an article about him the way that you do articles about other wolves in sheep's clothing, 
that might be appropriate, or maybe you should just can it with regards to the rest as well. Or maybe you need to really rethink your life choices here. There should be a consistency. There should not be a partiality. And here's the thing, and just to explain again, for anyone wondering, why am I so concerned about Jordan Hall? You know, a big part of it is because my family paid a very heavy toll to maintain integrity, and even at the expense of my father's dream of becoming a big farmer, continuing to be a big farmer, passing it down to my brother and I, even at the expense of that, even at the expense of moving away from where he had been born and raised, where his father was born and raised, where his grandfather was born and raised, even at the expense of moving away from eastern Montana, where when our ancestors came out there, there were still Sioux Indians traveling back and across back back and forth across the prairie hunting buffalo. I mean, you <laughs> you can't understand maybe how important integrity is when you see that price paid. And then you see a guy like this, like Jordan Hall in your own neighborhood. And I happen to hold to the philosophy of you see it, you own it. What would it say about me if I were always waxing eloquent about what's going on in Washington, D.C.? What's going on in the state capitol? What's going on across the U.S.? I'm going to wax eloquent about things that happened a long, long time ago, far away, things that I really can't actually do anything about. How convenient. And all the while, the villains in my own backyard, well, let's be pragmatic. That might come back on me, might come back on my family. If I stood up to them, if I opposed them, if I disagreed with them, if I contradicted them, if I called them out for their abusive and ungodly behavior, no, that would make me a man just like Jordan, which I refuse to be. Everybody else gets that special treatment, so long as they're far enough away to where it costs me nothing. No, no. Because the thing that a lot of folks don't think about doesn't enter into their equation, and I don't understand why this is, to say nothing and to do nothing, that, in times like these, will lead to you paying the highest cost. That cost, to my mind, is too high. And so I have to engage. I have to speak up. John Harris, A.D. Robles, I've seen some of what you've put out. I've also seen you associate yourselves with Jordan. I respect what it is you're trying to do in the grand scheme of things. From what I understand, obviously, you don't know me. I don't know you. You could be a very different person when you turn off the webcam and the microphone goes muted. And (laughs) I don't know. But here's the thing. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you run interference for him, you're no better than he is. And if you run interference for him, you are no better than these folks in the SBC pushing social justice and CRT. In fact, all of your efforts to try and combat the injustice are for naught. If you are doing an injustice by propping Jordan Hall up through active and passive means, being silent on this, or else actively giving him a platform and therefore credibility. Your association with him, I would say, means you have some responsibility here to, at a minimum, not run interference for him, not carry water for him. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. Mark my words. If he has to leave, 
his church in Sydney, if he has to leave his family, if he has to start completely fresh in some other place, and again, surround himself with sycophants even harder than the first time. And if you contributed to that, the stakes go up and up and up. You have helped to create a monster. I wouldn't want it on my conscience. So it won't be. So here's your heads up. Here's your heads up. I say this as a fellow traveler because I think we have broad agreement. You should not associate yourself with Jordan Hall. It's a poison pill. I got to run though. That's all the time I've got for this episode. Stay tuned for, I think, next episode. I hope it'll be next episode where I would like to do a book review of G.K. Chesterton's The Everlasting Man. Just finished that up. I am told that it is Chesterton's magnum opus. I don't know that to be the case, but I found it to be very good, and I'd like to tell you all about it. But for now, as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.